0: I love how God has already been speaking this morning. And it's easy to come up here and ask God to open ears, open eyes to hear and to see. But I believe that, um, yeah, he, He's been speaking right from the outset, right from the word go. And what I've got to bring this morning, I can see how God has um, already been speaking and is going to confirm that further. Before I start, um, it's been really, I think, really awesome just to see different ones stepping in this morning. As navigators, earlier this week, we really sensed God was saying, um, Matt and Tan, you need to release them this weekend. And that's meant different ones needing to just step in at short notice for different things. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, "That's, that's what family is, isn't it? That's what family is about ready to go, yep, I'm willing to do that, even though I might be a little bit out of my comfort zone or whatever. So, yeah, I really want to just acknowledge those ones who have actually stepped in um, at short notice um, to to help release Matt and Tan and to give them just some time away this weekend, the two of them together. My journey this week has been an interesting one. When When we had the discussion with Matt and Tan about getting away this weekend immediately that crops up okay so who's going to do this who's going to preach and in my head I went no not even going to pray about that don't want to go there at all and that was Tuesday Wednesday morning I woke up feeling very convicted because God had reminded me of a bit of the process he's been walking me through um, over the past month or so. And that is about surrender. About laying down self and letting him be truly Lord. And as he brought that to mind I felt very challenged about what had been going through my head. And as I As I repented before him, I said to him, I said, Well, Lord, I've got nothing. So if you want me to preach, then you've got to give me something and then I'll know that you want me to to preach. Well, within about 20 minutes, I had a very clear word. (laughs) I had a clear title. It was like I've not had that necessarily happen before. So he was making it pretty clear that he wanted me to preach this morning. And as I've come to this morning, I've known a peace that I've never experienced before because for those, who know, those of you who know me, I don't like being up the front. Um, and yet, coming into this morning, I have felt this incredible peace, which I know is from him. And it's just another reminder of when he calls us to something, he is always faithful, always. So that's a bit of my journey this week and this morning I believe the Lord wants to take us on a journey and we're going to do a bit of reading of his word this morning so I'd really encourage you if you've got a bible in front of you um, or maybe a device um, I'd love you to follow with me as we read his word together so as you can probably tell a little bit of what I'm going to speak on this morning. I want to pose the question, who likes storms, stormy weather? Okay, there's a few, yeah. So another question, do you like being, or where do you like being in the storm? Do you actually like being out in it? Or do you like to be in your home and, you know, nice and secure and comfortable and that's all good, it's out there? Is there anybody who likes to be out in the storm? Oh, okay. Okay, that's interesting. (laughs) I hadn't expected that. That's good. That's good. Well, I tell you what, I think my response is generally, yeah, I'm quite happy to be in my little comfortable home when the storm is taking place. I quite like being in bed, actually, when the, the rain's beating down and the thunder and the lightning and I can curl up in bed. But I'm not one who likes to be out in the storm by any means. And for some, storms can evoke quite strong emotions as well. Fear can arise. And, yeah, anxiety. And I think as we go through life, not only do we encounter those weather storms, but we actually encounter the, the, the storms of life, don't we, as well. And so that's what I'm going to look at this morning But as I said to you, the Lord gave me this very clear title of Jesus in the storm. So I'm going to start by reading from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And it's actually titled in my Bible Jesus Calms a Storm. On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, as to the disciples this is talking about, let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd they took him with them in the boat just as he was and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's a great story, this passage, and as I spent time just sitting in it again and really just almost picturing the scene, there were different things God was speaking in that to me again. Just to set the scene, this story takes place fairly early on in Jesus' ministry. He has performed some miracles as people start to catch wind of who this, who this person is and his power. He's also been doing a lot of teaching amongst the crowds but also with his disciples. So it's um, thought to take place after the Sermon on the Mount and it takes place before Jesus actually commissions his disciples to go out in, in the authority of his name and to preach repentance and to heal the sick and cast out demons. So this particular story is really a very personal encounter of the, his followers with him. It was a personal experience for the disciples of actually seeing more of who Jesus is in his power. And there are a number of things that actually stood out to me in this passage which we're going to look at this morning. If you look at verse 35 and it actually reads, Jesus says to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. So when we look at that, it wasn't the disciples initiating that, it was Jesus. Jesus called them to get into the boat and let's go to the other side. And when you think of the words the other side, it's almost like a it's somewhere different. It's going to another place. And as I thought about that, I stopped and thought, yeah, those disciples would have been different when they reached that other side because of what they were going to go through. They'd also recognise through this experience, their little faith. But in that, they'd experience more of who Jesus is in his authority, in his power, over not just people, as they'd been seeing when he was healing people, but actually over nature, over what he had created. I think sometimes we can think that when we go through storms, that maybe it's as a result of our disobedience. And yet as we're reminded, this this particular verse reminds us it was Jesus who initiated them to get into the boat. They were where they were meant to be. The next particular verse that stood out to me was verse 36 and it reads, They took him with them just as he was. I read that and I thought, what, is that? what does that mean? What? A, what I couldn't quite get what that was talking about and as I just sat I started thinking along the lines of well I guess he was already sitting in a boat away from the crowds because the crowds were just flocking and crowding him and he needed to just have a little bit of space so he was already out and I guess I went down the path of thinking well he didn't see the need to go and get anything he was ready to go He was ready to go to the other side to take with him his disciples. He didn't need to go and do something or get something to go. His trust, his faith was in his father. He knew he could depend on him to provide him with all that he needed to do with whatever he was going to encounter. And as I said previously, he was actually preparing his disciples for what he was going to call them to do. In chapter 6, where he says to them, he charged them, as in the disciples, to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. That's from chapter 6, verses 7 to 9. So Jesus was actually living out faith. He was showing the disciples what that looks like. Before he called them to do the same. Because he wanted them to be trusting completely in him and depending on him. So I want to ask the question, where and in whom is our trust and our dependence? Who do we go to first? The next passage that stood out to me in that was that other boats were with him. So they actually weren't out there alone. They actually had some other boats surrounding them maybe or to a bit of a distance. I'm not sure how close. We're not told. But I guess in that, they would have been witness probably to what was about to take place, to the miracle that Jesus was going to perform. And in that, it's a reminder of the storms that we go through personally and how Jesus can use those to, to be actually impacting and touching those that might be around us, that might be watching from a distance as to how we're responding, what God's doing in our situation. God is always about showing his sovereignty and glorifying himself. So our storms can be an opportunity for witness. The other thing that stood out to me in this passage was the suddenness and the ferocity of the storm. So when they left, it was quite calm, we're assuming. We're told that all of a sudden the waves started rising, the wind started howling and the boat was becoming swamped with water. And we've got to remember that these disciples, some of these disciples were fishermen, very experienced fishermen. And when we look at their response, It must have been pretty ferocious, this storm. And just like for them, in their situation which came up all of a sudden, storms can also take us off guard, can't they? Things can be quite calm. And all of a sudden, the wind comes from nowhere, the waves rise up and it's interesting to see the emotions that arise in us in those situations. But as verse 38 says, but he, Jesus, was in the stern. And I love this. He was asleep on a cushion. I love that detail, that he wasn't just asleep. He was actually asleep on the cushion. And if you can picture the scene where his disciples are probably frantic because they're feeling like, we're going to drown. We're going to drown. And here's Jesus. You're there in in the boat. You're asleep. What are you doing? Like I can picture myself, I'd be just like... Come on, Jesus, what are you doing here? I'm about to drown and you're you're cosy, lying on your pillow, fast asleep. But I love the picture in that it's the contrast, isn't it, of absolute peace and rest and contentment in who he belonged to, his father, who he was, and yet the human side of being out of control. Quite a powerful scene, isn't it? demonstrating quite powerfully peace in the midst of the storm and we can be easy to point the finger at the disciples but I tell you what I'd be just like them I reckon but Jesus was in the boat with them as much as Jesus was sleeping he was in the boat he was there in their midst and that's a wonderful reminder for us. When we go through the storms of life, it might appear that, that, that God's pretty silent. It might appear that he's actually not there, but he is. He's very much present. And he's wanting us to come to him, to call on him just like his disciples did. In the moment they'd forgotten who he was, Forgotten that yes, he'd been performing these amazing miracles and he'd been teaching them about what it was to be following and putting their trust in him. But how like we are with the disciples, how quick we are to forget who he is and who we've got in the boat with us. The disciples' response, as we've just talked about, was, was almost a bit of a rebuke of, of their teacher, teacher, do you not care? That we're perishing? Don't you care that we're about to d- to die? Of course he cares. And his response was actually to rebuke the waves. He didn't rebuke them. He rebuked the storm. And his words were, be still, peace. Jesus brings peace and calm into the situation of great fear. As we read the last verse of that particular passage their response was actually one of fear we read at the end after having witnessed the storm being calmed it says and they were filled with great fear and said to one another who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him in the niv the word is used i think terrified is the word that's used and in the strongs the greek word there actually means they were exceedingly fearful. That was their response at the end of this particular experience, which is interesting. This man who can even cause the storm to be stilled. And in this, again, they're reminded through his words of their little faith, but in that, his love for them and understanding As believers and followers of Jesus, we are going to encounter storms. But just like the disciples, we have Jesus journeying with us through the storms. We aren't always shielded from them, but we actually will be protected and provided through them, through Jesus' presence with us. Storms can actually deepen our faith as we surrender to him. But we need to be willing to surrender. God allows the storms in our lives to reveal self and what's in our hearts. Just like in this story with the disciples, it was fear that came to the forefront. Their lack of faith. Storms, if we allow God into them, can be transforming. They can be a time of of letting go of self and letting Jesus take over. And we can be different from when we entered them, just like the disciples in crossing to the other side. Storms can also, I believe, be used by God to position us or to prepare us for what he's got next. Jesus knew the journey he was taking his disciples on and he had allowed this storm, this experience, to prepare them for what was coming as well. The next passage that I want to look at in our journey that Jesus is taking his disciples on is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 23. And I'm going to ask
1: Rachel to read that for us. (laughs) Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Thank you, Rachel. So in this particular passage, we can see
0: a bit of progress, I guess you could say, in the faith of his disciples. Instead of Jesus being in the boat this time, Jesus actually has instructed his disciples to actually go on ahead of him. Again, he makes it clear, I want you to get into the boat. It's not them initiating, it's Jesus. And to go over to the other side because he wanted to spend time in prayer alone with his father, as Jesus often did. In looking at this passage Jesus is the one initiating. Jesus is the one directing him. The disciples were right where he wanted them because he was going to allow another experience of a, of a growing in their faith. And as we look at as this particular passage there, it's not, we're not really given much indication of the time. It's talking about when evening came and then again evening. And in this particular setting... The thought is that it was about sundown when the storm starts to arise, the winds mount up and Jesus comes out to them on the waters. And so we see the response of his disciples. So it's probably around around sundown when the storm starts, but again, Jesus doesn't go straight to them when he starts to see the winds rising up and the boat being buffeted. He waits, and then it says in verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus comes, which is thought to be around 3 to 6 a.m., in the very early hours of the morning. And he walks out to the boat with the disciples, obviously straining at the oars. They're doing it pretty tough. Again, we see that, that Jesus is allowing His disciples to endure the storm. He doesn't take them out of it but he's there, he's in control, he's sovereign and he's watching them and he's aware of their frame and how much they can endure. In verse 26 we see that the disciples' response on seeing him was fear, it's a ghost. They didn't recognise him at first, they were just so fearful in the situation But what what are Jesus' words into that? He speaks straight into their fear. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. In verse 27. He meets them in their place of fear. And again, we see how the storm provides an opportunity for the exercising and the growth of faith. I love the fact that Peter, Peter the one He's out there, you know, quick to speak up, quick to do things a bit irrationally sometimes, very passionate. He's the one who says, Jesus, if it's you, you call me to come. I'm going to get out of the boat. I'll come to you. I want to be where you are. And so Jesus says, come. Interestingly, when I chose this slide, I had a different one and I woke up this morning and went, that is, that's the wrong slide I had a slide that was actually really calm waters and I was reminded that it actually doesn't talk about the fact that the water's calming until Jesus and Peter get back into the boat. So we, we tend to think then that when, Jesus, when Peter gets out of the boat to walk towards Jesus, it is actually with the waves still rising up and buffeting. So when we think of that, Peter was taking a big step of faith to get out of that boat where it was probably secure and comfortable, a bit definitely safer than out there on the water, but yet he was willing to get out. He was willing, he wanted to be where Jesus was. Don't you love that? That's what faith is, isn't it? Wanting to be where Jesus is. But as we read, it's, it's when Peter begins to shift his focus from off Jesus and onto the waves. All of a sudden, oh, what am I doing? These waves are really big. Oh, Starts looking down at his feet probably. And what happens? He begins to sink. Isn't that like us? All of a sudden our circumstances become our focus instead of Jesus. And when our focus is on Jesus, it's amazing how we're able to actually walk in that power and in that strength because he's the one we're focused on, not us. What am I doing? I can't do this. The doubts creep in and we start to go under. But I love the fact that Jesus was there. And Peter was not far from his father's grasp, from his shepherd's grasp. Jesus reaches out to him, takes him, lifts him up, and they get back into the boat. You know, I think sometimes we can, we can be very scathing of ourselves at our lack of faith, our dwindling faith. And yes... God wants us to have faith definitely and trust in him but he also is loving as a loving father gently walking us through the process of growing our faith too. He doesn't put us down. He doesn't say you should have done better. You've stuffed up. He just reaches out to Peter, pulls him back up yet reminds him of, of where his faith and his trust is but puts him back in, they get back into the boat together. And it's at that point that we read that the waves are calm. So it's a really powerful story, that one, I believe. So again, we see the power and the authority of God. And as we surrender and allow Jesus into our situations and into our storms, we experience his peace. And we're reminded of his sovereignty. And at the end of this particular passage, instead of the exceedingly fearful response that the disciples had when they were in the boat in that first passage that we read, we actually read that their response is one of worship and of reverence. Can you see the progress that they'd made? That they'd actually begun... To see who this Jesus is, truly you are the Son of God, was their declaration in verse thirty-eight. Late last year um, was about well, it was mid-November. It was the weekend of Awakening here in Melbourne, and I'd been praying throughout the week for for our community, for our city, and just the opportunity for God's Word to be taken. And, and walked out. That Saturday morning I awoke with a real heaviness which I'd not really experienced before and I had a very clear sense of the Lord saying there is a time coming for our city of great testing, a bit like a storm I guess you could say. I didn't like the feeling at all. And it stayed with me for um, quite a number of days. I sat with the Lord in it and I just got to the point of going, well, Lord, if this is you, then I know you will confirm that in some way. At the beginning of this year, in fact, I think it was actually the first day in January, I received a message, a text message from someone within our body and just sharing a word that they felt God had very clearly given them as they were driving to work that morning. And it confirmed that same sense that I'd had back in November. That a storm was coming, but I loved the words, but the sun, as in S, she'd written it, S-O-N, will still shine. Jesus was reminding us that he is in the storm. He is always in the storm. He is always working out his purposes. And then just this last week, early this week, someone shared with me again to confirm that same sense i don't share that to spark fear that's not what this is about i believe that god as we've been reading god is in this god is going to work out his purposes through this i believe he's preparing us as his church he's had us on a journey preparing us to be reaching the lost to be taking the hope that we have as believers in Jesus and reaching out to those who don't have that hope who are sinking who are perishing but we need to be ready and we need to know where our faith is and whom we stand and we need to know that our God is sovereign our God is all-powerful and I believe he's actually going to bring many to him through the storms that we go through as well So that just leads me into the final passage that I want to look at this morning that God laid on my heart and it's a a fantastic reminder of someone who himself had gone through incredible opposition and persecution. Tough times. Paul, you may know the story. It's in Acts chapter 27. 27 and I'm just going to read verses 21 to 25 and then 33 to 38 and verse 44. I'm reading from the ESV version so it might be a little bit different. So what had happened was Paul was a prisoner at this particular point in time and he was being taken with a number of other prisoners on a ship under guard and Paul had warned those commanding the ship that Mm, the weather's not looking too good, it's going to be risky, you might be better not to sail at at a particular time. But they pressed on, they disregarded his word and before long a storm does arise, a very fierce storm to the point where they're fearing for their lives. So I'm just going to start from reading from verse 21. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. And then on down to verse 33. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you've continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and he began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship. Everyone was saved. Paul stood in the knowledge of whose he was, who he belonged to, and whom he was living for. He was living for his saviour. And because of this, he was actually able to stand firm in the storm. Despite what he was seeing, despite what he was experiencing, despite what he was hearing, so much fear, so much doubt. Yet he came back to what God had told him very clearly. That's where we need to come back to. I love that declaration. Who's am I? Who do I belong to? Who am I serving? And what has God told me? Because that's what we've got to stand in. Not on what we can see. In the sense of the storm. And our circumstances, our Father tells us in John chapter 16 verse 33 that we will encounter storms and difficult times. He says, Jesus says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So you may not necessarily be in the midst of a storm at the moment, feeling buffeted by the waves, things coming at you from all angles. Maybe you're in a period of calm. What are you doing to prepare yourself for the storms that will come? Are we spending time getting to know our Father? Are we spending time in his word, hearing what he's saying? Are we spending time in prayer, listening to what he's speaking to us? Are we surrounding ourselves with people who are encouraging us in our walk with Jesus and who are spurring us on? Are we choosing to daily surrender to self, to die to self, to remember whose we are and whom we serve? Why are we here? Who are we here for? Maybe you're going through a stormy time. Maybe you're feeling really buffeted. It's often in the storms that I guess we try and battle on ourselves, don't we, in our own strength. Who do we turn to? Who are we turning to? Who are we choosing to focus on in the storm? Are we willing to listen to what our Father God is saying and what he's wanting to teach us through the storms and to let him transform us? he's got so much good in the midst even of the storms if we're willing to submit and to surrender to him are we standing confident in the knowledge of who we belong to and who we serve and are we seeing the ones this is the the challenging part sometimes we can get so immersed in our own storm that we actually don't see the ones who are actually perishing like Paul he saw that these 275 probably people didn't know his saviour, yet he was willing to stand up and say, no, it's okay. This is what the God whom I believe in, who I belong to says. You're not going to perish. He was pointing them to him and to see what God was going to do and how he's going to glorify himself and reveal his power. So who, who are we seeing? Who are we willing to reach out to with his love and with his hope and truth? So I just, in finishing up, just want to encourage you just to take just a few moments, just to sit quietly with the Lord. Where are you today? Are you like the disciples in that first passage in the midst of a storm? You're in the boat and the waves are swamping your boat and you're feeling fearful. Be encouraged. Jesus is in the boat with you. Maybe you're in that second story where you're wanting to grow in faith, where like Peter, the invitation is come. Are you willing to get out of the boat? Are you willing to go to Jesus? despite the fact that it means getting out of the safe place and onto those waves, but to be where Jesus is. And as we've just talked, if you're going through a storm, who is it, maybe, who Jesus is wanting you to reach out to in the storm? Because I believe that he wants to use us as part of his salvation. I believe that there are many, many lives whom he wants to touch and bring to him in this city in the coming days and months. So let's just take some time quietly to sit with our Lord and to listen to him and remember his words, take courage, it is I. I am with you. And just in closing, I just want to read again a very well-known passage from Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart.